Thank you. When we have communion this morning, we'll bring our prayer requests uh, to the table. We get to that time, but I just want to share some that have come forward and been added this morning. We're going to be praying for a man named Jeremy Maines, who served with Karen Krenz uh, with the English Language Institute in China. He's been diagnosed with lymphoma. Uh, His condition is very serious and critical. He's married. He has three children, and they're now ministering with immigrants in Chicago. Also, uh, two requests for safe births of children this week. Uh, The Davidson family, Julian Bruce, pray for safe birth for Kate and uh, her family. And also a request for strength and health for a woman named Jennifer during her pregnancy. And and then uh, we celebrated a birth this week in our own church. You'll notice in the bulletin in the prayer list, uh, Eli Mascaro was born to Steve and to... Debbie, this week, um, and uh, he came into the world Tuesday morning, uh, kind of a week of cycles, the, the, the cycle of life and death in our church. On, on Monday night, uh, Pat Patterson uh, died and went home to be with the Lord. Pat was the oldest living member of our church. He was 92, and on Tuesday morning, the youngest member of our church was welcomed into uh, this church family, so uh, we think about uh, life and death and how God covers us in all of it. So we'll give praise and thanks and remember those things as we pray at the table. The sermon comes from the book of Acts this morning. The scripture reading is Acts chapter 2 verses 37 through 47. As we continue in core Christianity, those essential, fundamental things of Christian faith, not some of the extraneous things, not the things that are negotiable, but the things that any Christian, every Christian, no matter what their label or where they're at in the world, we hold to these things. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47, this is after Peter has given his sermon at Pentecost. When the people heard this, when they heard all that Peter said, they were cut to the heart and said to people and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who are being saved. May God bless to our understanding the reading of his holy word. Amen. At the core of Christianity is the Bible. God's word to us. This is an authoritative, inspired word which tells us of God's heart and his mind. At the core of Christianity is God, who is one, but who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in relationship, and who invites us and calls us into a relationship with Him. At the core of Christianity is that we human beings are created in the image of that God, yet that image has become defaced because men and women have chosen to, lose, to, to live against God. And we've become much less than he intended us to be and wants us to be. At the core of Christianity is, of course, who else? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And at the core of Christianity is that we are saved not by anything we do, but by the grace of God as it comes to us in Jesus. At the core of Christianity is the Holy Spirit, who is the presence of God with us and in us now. The Spirit comes to us. He lives in us. He begins a process of renewal. And all those convictions, all of those beliefs, fundamentals, are nurtured and celebrated in a place called church. And this morning, I hope we can understand what is church and why church matters. Now, the term church simply means this. This is what it means. Those who are called out. That's what church, the word means. Those who are called out. Uh, It was originally used in Jesus' day. The original Greek biblical word referred to a church. gathering of citizens in a place for political purposes. That's where the word comes from. Uh, It did not refer to a building. It referred to a gathering of people. So when you see the word church in your Bible, think gathering, think assembly. Today we speak of buildings as churches, don't we? Uh, Or we speak of our worship service as a church. We say, I'm going to church. But in the earliest days of Christianity, that wasn't necessarily so. Church was simply an assembly of people who gathered to worship and nurture their faith in Christ. Um, we, could, we could have a, think about it, we could have a building, we could call it a church, but if it was empty, if no one was ever there, would it be a church? No. Even today, the church is about people. It is the people. When we say I'm going to church, we should really understand ourselves to say I'm going to the gathering of people who belong to and who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more appropriate, more biblical to speak of the church, not as of any one single organization or institution, but those who belong to and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after the Lord Jesus left this earth and after he poured out the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, they began to gather regularly, to church, to assemble regularly. And we read about this in the book of Acts, which is the story about how those first believers 
experienced Jesus Christ and understood him and what they understood about what it meant to be faithful to him and how they formed themselves into an assembly of people called church or churches. One of the main messages of the books of Acts is community. It's living together, practicing together the faith of Jesus. And we read about these first assemblies and what they did. And it says they devoted themselves to four things. You will find in the text that we read this morning. Four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, the apostles were the best authorities on Jesus. Uh, This is to say... uh, that the people devoted themselves to hearing the stories of Jesus, to receiving the instruction of Jesus from those who knew him best, who had been with him. They received the uh, how to live this Jesus life. Uh, Today, teaching continues to keep us straight about who we are, who we belong to, what we're about as Christians. The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves, it says, to the fellowship. Fellowship merely means participation. It means sharing. We read how the Christians were often all together, meeting together on a daily basis. They opened their homes to one another. They shared meals with one another. They shared their material goods as anybody had need. It was fellowship. They devoted themselves, third, it says, to the breaking of bread. This probably referred to common meals, but probably also to the Lord's Supper what we call communion. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. Literally, the term in the Greek reads the prayers, probably referring to the Jewish pattern of prayer where you pray in the morning and then you stop and you pray at noon and then you stop and pray in the evening. But however they did it, we know they devoted themselves to prayer, to thanking God, to asking God, to bringing their needs and their concerns and praises to him. Interesting, the things that they Uh, gave themselves to right from the beginning, isn't it? Well, we also learned that the apostles were doing signs and wonders, probably healings, words of knowledge, other demonstrations of the miraculous power of God at work amongst them. And every day we read the Lord was increasing the church. There were people coming, and that has not stopped. The church is still increasing, people being added to numbers of churches all over. But the main point The main point I want us to understand is that Christians did not and never have gone into their own private places as Christians, to be Christian as individuals, but they have always gathered with others to do these things. And this gathering was called church. Today, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is wherever people gather in his name and because of him. It's in buildings like this. It's in homes. It's in chapels. It's in gymnasiums. It is in rented buildings. It's in cathedrals. It's outside uh, in coverings or under trees. It's in prisons. It's in hospitals. Wherever they gather, there's church. The church is a living organism of human beings. Uh, it's, it's more fluid than just a building or even an organization. That is why churches can be many places at one time, way beyond the boundaries of a building or an organization. Uh, church can not only be here in this building, yes, this morning, but it, it can be up at Einstein's. Church can be at the University of Utah. It can be in a hospital room. It can be at a park. It can be in neighborhoods. Wherever Christ's people are, there's church. 
Mount Olympus Presbyterian Church, us. We're wherever people of this church are, all week long. Uh, Maybe some of you work with a few other Christians from other churches. There you are, the church in that particular workplace. All you Christians, there's church right there. Now, how many people is not important. That's not what church is about. In our supersized society, we've kind of come to value. Well, if, if there's more people, it must be more valuable, right? It can be three or four or 3,000 or 4,000. It is still church, a gathering, an assembly of the people for Christ. Now, where did these people come from who made up church? Well, they were the ones who heard the message and they responded to the message of Christ. Uh, You've come to this assembly today because you heard at some point in your life the Christian message and you've responded with faith. When those in Acts heard the story of God and what uh, he did, they it says that they turned to Christ in repentance, which is to say they turned their lives from what they were living for and they turned toward Christ. And it says they were baptized. And it says they received the Holy Spirit and they began to gather together and sharing in this common life and devoting themselves to the thing I mentioned. It still works like this. Acts continues to be the pattern for a vibrant, spirit-filled community church, no matter where it is at. Salvation and Christianity is not an individualistic act or something that we do by ourselves. No, it means being brought into and becoming a part of the people of God. It's only been in the last 40 or 50 years that church and Christianity has become as individualistic as it is today. To be Christian and to separate yourself from the assembly and do your own thing, that's always been a contradiction. Now, most people separate themselves from the gathering of other Christians because churches don't meet their standards. Churches don't meet their needs. Or it's just not exciting enough for them. I mean, they'd rather go to a show at Wendover. That's a lot more exciting than we have here, no doubt about it. Uh, Church and Christianity has never been without problems. It's never been conflict-free. Didn't stay as simple and as glorious as these first churches in Acts. Uh, As the church grew, it needed more structure. It needed more organization. Problems arose. You read just a couple of chapters later in Acts and and there are problems. You read the letters of Paul in the New Testament, and there, oh, there's some dandy problems that the first church has faced. I mean, just off the map. You know what? You gather a group of imperfect people, chances are you're going to get some imperfection. It's fashionable today to want to separate from church. People think they can do better by just having their own personal church. Maybe it's Starbucks or heading up a trail and meeting God by themselves on the mountain. Because, you know, church is too confining. Church is too messy uh, to be with people. That's just, it's just too hard. I, um, I'm sure you've heard this story about the man who was uh, stranded on an island for many, many years and was rescued by a rescue crew. Uh, you've probably heard this story. I think I've told it before. I am so desperate for new material. I'm telling it again this morning. So they found this man, and he was there with three buildings on this island. And they were really curious why this guy who'd been on this, stranded on this island for so many years would have three buildings. 
So they asked him, and he said, well, that went over there. That's my house. That's where I live. Well, that made sense. You've got to have a house. Well, they said, well, what's that second building? And he said, well, that's my church where I go to. Wow. Okay. So what's that third building? And he said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. churches can be wonderful, they can be lively, they can be stimulating, and they can also be problematic, and they can be dry, and they can be less than what we hope for. But there is no model in the Bible other than people who believe in Jesus coming together and living the faith together. That is what Christians do. And if someone does it any other way, they're making it up themselves, and it truly is not the practice of Christianity. You'll find several things in churches, not only the word of God, not only the sharing of lives together in prayer, but you'll find two unique things. You'll find something called baptism, and you'll find the Lord's Supper. When people heard the gospel and they wanted to respond, and they asked the apostles, well, what should we do? They asked Peter. He said, well, you need to repent, and then he said, and be baptized. Baptism has always been the entryway, if you would, to the church and into the people of Jesus Christ. Here in Acts chapter 2, in the rest of the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, baptism is always the visible sign of entry into the community of faith. Part of Jesus' final instructions to his disciples. What does he say before he leaves? He says, I want you to go and make more disciples. And when you do that, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of the triune God. In Romans chapter 6, we read that when we are baptized, we are united to Christ. That that's what happens. Baptism, in essence, says two things. It says, number one, I recognize God's claim on my life. And number two, I'm in it for life. I'm His. Churches also do the Lord's Supper or communion. Uh, We read those first believers assembled and took part in something called the breaking of bread. Probably this. Jesus told his disciples to take bread and the cup to remember him, to remember this new covenant, to remember that we are forgiven in our sins. Jesus himself said, unless you eat my flesh, which is signified by the bread, and you drink my blood, which is signified by the cup, he said, you have no part in me. My life is not in you. It is nourishment to our souls. And so baptism and the Lord's Supper have become the center of the church's practice, fundamental to the life of the church, right at the core. One brings us in, baptism. The other keeps us going, the Lord's Supper. Churches do it different ways at different times, but they all do it. And we do these things because Jesus directly and unmistakably said, do them. When you gather in my name, do these things. Okay, why does the church matter? Why can't I just get my cup of coffee and Bible and go to Starbucks in a corner and have my own thing called church? Well, number one, churches matter because churches are the body of Christ. Um, And bodies stay together. I don't know about your body, but my body works better when it's not dismembered. I want to keep it together, and that's the way it is with Christ's body. I think the first line of 
a great hymn of the church. The church's one foundation. The first stanza um, really says it well about how the creation of God comes by the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's the first verse of this great hymn. I'll sing it to you. If you know it, you can sing it with me. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his blood he bought her and for her life he died. I think those words say it well. Second reason the church matters is because it gives us a place to be nourished and nurtured in our faith in Jesus Christ. Church is a place where we receive all the things that God has created to give us to help us in our faith. Things like worship services and Bible studies and prayer and gatherings and baptism and communion and all the other things that feed us, that keep us going. Third reason church matters, churches matter because the body of Christ is the way that God is doing His work on this earth. He's entrusted the whole enchilada to us, His mission and His message and His ministry. We are His hands, we are His feet, we are His voice, we are His heart. Uh, Every time churches preach the gospel, whether it's in a sermon or whether it is in something as simple as a children's Sunday school lesson. Every time God's praised in a song, every time churches feed hungry people or minister to the sick and the dying and help those in need, every time churches pray, however and whenever, any time, whenever churches do something in Christ's name, Christ's kingdom work is being accomplished. And we're the ones who are to do that. He's left it with us, and he's asked us to do it. Churches matter because we need one another. You know, Christian faith isn't lived alone or in isolation. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't think living the Christian faith is easy. I think it takes perseverance, and it takes endurance, and it takes, uh, it takes strength. It is easier to do it with others than it is to do it alone because we need others. I know I need others to support and uphold me, and I also need to support and uphold others. We don't need to run the race alone, nor are we expected to. You know the phrase, one another? It's all over the New Testament. It appears about fi- over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase, one another, which to me, one another suggests that Christianity... Uh, has to be lived with other Christians if you're going to one another. For example, we're told to love one another. You've heard that one. It's a commandment of Jesus. And it's repeated several times in the New Testament. Uh, We also hear some other one another's in the New Testament. It says we are to be members of one another, to greet one another, live in harmony with one another, welcome one another, instruct one another, bear with one another, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted to one another, be forgiving to one another. You know, and if, if you have to be forgiving to one another, that assumes there's going to be some messiness in church. Uh, we may be hurt. We may hurt somebody else. We are people. We are imperfect. 
We can be temperamental. We can be a little self-centered. Thus, we are to forgive one another. Other one another's. We read that we are to be subject to, encourage, do good, exhort, spur to good deeds, confess to, pray for, be hospitable, serve, lay down our lives for one another. You know what? You can't do one another by yourself. You gotta have what? Another. Following Jesus is a one another faith. You know, even Jesus wasn't a lone ranger. He had a group of 70 disciples, larger group, and then we know that inner circle of the 12 who he lived with, who he shared faith with, even sometimes to his frustration. And these disciples, those very same ones, began church. And if you've been in a hospital and someone's come to visit you, or you have been hurting and someone has prayed for you, or you have been somewhere and you heard uh, in a Bible study or the word explained to you, uh, and, you and, and your faith caught on because of that, or you have ever been moved in a worship service, or uh, you have been in need and someone came to help you, or you were alone and someone came and befriended you, or you used your gifts to bless and serve somebody else, and you just thought, wow, that was a great experience. You know why the church matters. You do. Eugene Peterson put it like this. So the question is not, am I going to be a part of a community of faith, but how am I going to live in this community of faith. He says God's children do different things. Some run away from it. And pretend the family doesn't exist. Some move out. Get an apartment on their own. From which they return. To make occasional visits. Nearly always showing up for the parties. And bringing a gift to show. That they really do hold the others in fond regard. And some would never dream of leaving, but they cause others to dream about leaving, for they're always criticizing what's served at the meals, quarreling with the way the housekeeping is done, complaining that the others in the family are either ignoring or taking advantage of them. And some determine to find out what God has in mind by placing them in this community called a church. And they learn how to function in it harmoniously and joyously, and develop maturity that is able to share and exchange God's grace with those who might otherwise be viewed as nuisances. When we are saved and when we come to faith, God puts us inside a community called church with others. And maybe the church matters most. Maybe the church matters most for this reason. Because Jesus Christ died for it and loves it. And if that's true, then I'm going to live for it and live in it and love it too. We saw in Acts chapter 2 that the breaking of bread is something that the churches started doing right from the beginning. So let's do that together. Let's worship and share in the Lord's Supper.